Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your host, Keith Barney Mountain Man, Mike and Deadly. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, and stream it on Hulu. You don't know this, but this is the third time we've tried the theme song. may be a sweaty mess, but it's 65 rainy and breezy here. Out of practice. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast detailing David E. Kelly's Emmy award-winning series, The Practice. We are up to season two, episode 17, The Burden of Proof, and you have already begun the weather report. That's true. It happens because uh, I know that it's 135 degrees in New York City. I happen to be in upstate oh New York, Long Lake, New York, in the middle of the woods, completely surrounded by bear, nature, the breeze, the lake, and all of my screaming nephews. So they'll probably be making some audible appearances in the episode this week. I sure hope so. You know, ironically, 24 hours ago, I was in exactly the same place, just on the other side of Lake Champlain. I was visiting my folks out in the woods and uh, dealing with my screaming nephew, Archer. Yeah, I'm pretty excited, man. My wife, as you know, never gets off. Uh, so she took the whole week off. So <laughs> That's what um, she said. So this is what I decided to do. Instead of spending any time with her, I would go ahead and beam in <laughs> and spend two hours <laughs> of my vacation with our millions and millions of listeners. Yes. <laughs> with Tom Brady, take that wife's only vacation in... 52 years yeah you just celebrated your first year uh of uh fiddler and on the in their current iteration and i had to actually uh establish some ground rules for it keith oh do tell unless i explicitly bring it up okay or there's a story that just needs be told uh-huh she can't bring it up i don't want to hear about work i don't want to hear about yiddish i don't want to hear about joel gray i just it's just been a lot keith it's been a lot <laughs> Is that okay? Am I mean for, for that? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, you, you, there definitely needs to be some sort of a, you know, work vacation barrier. It's not necessarily about Fiddler. It's just about, you know, you're probably not talking about Google or wherever you work. Uh, I do not work at Google. Not affiliated with Google. Uh, oh, there's a whole story that goes along that. I will say this, though. Show people, for those of you listening who are not have no experience in sort of like uh, show business or entertainment in any sort of way. There happens, there, uh, something weird happens when you're doing a show with people. Like when you work your nine to five job, generally yeah. speaking, like there's some inner office drama, right? Like, oh, oh, Susie from accounting ate my yogurt, things like that. Bitch. Friggin' Susie. Uh, however, Susie. and then let's not even get started on Jenny. <laughs> That's a yeah, deep right? cut. Deep cut. Deep cut. However, show people, there's a weird 
it, it's this obsession with like what happens in those two hours every day, and it becomes sort of the center of the universe. And so, if you're not in that, <laughs> if you're not in that crew, like I'm not in I, my wife's show, and I don't really know many of the people, and I like to keep it that way. Not that there's anything wrong with them, you know, just separation of church and state. So she comes home with like all these stories to tell, and I have to like remind her that like I don't know those people. There are no stakes for me, and in the grand scheme of the universe, none of that matters. What? Uh, sure, sure. You know, I, I I get that. To you know, to play devil's advocate, like you know, what do you talk about? You talk about what your life is, you know. And uh, I figure I pay for that by you know endless diatribes about the Boston Bruins. Yeah. She doesn't care about that. Has no stakes in that, and uh, so on and so forth. But yeah, no. Th- I mean, the intensity of the community of a show whether it it's up for two weeks or two years there is this artificial intimacy that mm-hmm. comes with performing together um and it can be really magical and it can be really annoying <laughs> depending on uh, the situation that you're in absolutely and, and if we were to psychoanalyze it there's elements of she's in a long-running sit-down show in the city and gets to like go to work and come back like a normal person and i have not had that maybe ever so there's a lot of elements to it, but it's also the language. I I am not Jewish. I don't speak Yiddish, and it's a lot of Jewish culture and Yiddish language in my life right now. Um, so it's I have to find a, a better balance. Is what I Does guess. Does she tell the stories in Yiddish? No, but she'll say things like, "Oh my God, you know that part in the dream where I say, I don't even want to. I'm not even going to make fun of it. I'm not even going to make fun <laughs> danger, of it. Keep. Danger, Will Robinson. I'm trying to be progressive." <laughs> Um, but sh- and then she'll like say a line or something. I'm like, no. As a matter of fact, I don't know that <laughs> at all. None of that makes any sense to me. So I I I don't know. I, I see the points you're making, but I'm also like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. You're out on a limb. Yeah, I probably am. <laughs> anyway, uh, should we talk about the practice? We should. Uh, but I I think I think first we have to deal with uh... filings and subpoenas. Tom Brady, it looks like, has emailed us again. It turns out Tom Brady is the only person who emails us. <laughs> After a, a, a frenzy of reviews when we first launched this podcast because of its stellar production quality. Um, <laughs> uh, things yeah. have waned. Just as a reminder, if you want to leave us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts or any podcast service, but specifically Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the air, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent. Oh, absolutely. And you will join the jury. You will join the jury. And it's true. But uh, you can also write us emails uh, with your comments about the podcast, your suggestions about the show, or just to shoot the shit at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Just like our good friend Tom Brady has. Tom Brady! Uh, And he says this week, I appreciate the sentiment of your last episode. School was a very formative time for me personally. Now, Keith, I don't remember the conversation we had about Tom Brady. I don't remember the conversation we had 10 minutes ago. I know. I'm assuming he's talking about us waxing philosophic about high school, as we usually do. Oh, it's probably because I told some of the... Uh, I, I'm beginning the, the saga of my college auditions. Oh, right. That's, that's true. Uh, and Tom lets us know that school was a very formative time for him personally. He got to learn how to play in the tall grass with big boys and got to wear multiple shirt layers while buttoning none of them. 
And then he puts in quotes, long live Friar 4. Now, that's followed by a picture here. You know, we have... Oh, of, of, of himself, looks like in high school. Yep, not wearing... Uh, with many layers of shirts. <laughs> One- many layers of shirts, none of them buttoned, which, you know... Now, let me give you a little little pro tip, little fat guy pro tip. Uh, that's what fat guys wear to look ambiguously shaped. Mm. Uh, but Tom Brady is like super like high school jocking it in that picture. So I don't under... That's more like 90s. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you wear it today, you're just... You know, you're not trying to look good. You're just trying to be confusing looking, which is what us fat guys really aim for. Yeah, you know what I'm dealing with now, Keith, because I'm on. The, I, I fluctuate. Between, there's no real middle ground for me. I'm either like really skinny or too not skinny enough, like on the chubby side. That's my universe, and I can always tell what the dead giveaway is, especially for me right now, is when I put on one of my button-down shirts, and that yep. third button down starts to hang on for dear life. Yeah, yeah. You can see it on guys everywhere, you know, because you're just like, you're wearing, you no longer have a small, you're wearing a smedium, basically. Right, right. Yeah, no, because you've, like, all of a sudden the buttons are like, you know, Spider-Man in the movie trying to hold two, two sides of the uh, of the ferry together. So, back to, to Tom Brady here. Tom yeah. not only gives us a, a Letterman jacket picture, but this is where it's great, because either Tom Brady or whoever is playing Tom Brady in this show that in this continuing troll that oh, we're getting here. Oh, it's Tom Brady. It's definitely Tom Brady. He went on to post his high school senior uh, picture where, remember, you put those oh, stupid little... Oh, he would have beaten me up. Those stupid little uh, like shout-outs, because when you're 19, you know everything, and you know how your life's going to turn out, so you tell everybody you love in that little paragraph. And Tom Brady's high school <laughs> senior picture summary was, if you want to play with the big boys, you gotta learn how to play in the tall grass. <laughs> Family, I love you all. FB14, BK12, BS114, Block4, JSA2, Trivia14, and Friar4. Which I guess there were clicks is, you were in. Friar4. Keith, do you, remember, I, do you remember your shoutouts in your senior picture? Oh, I definitely do, because I didn't put a quote. Because I was like, that seems weird. But hold on. Literally right behind me, I have mine. Let me pull it up. While you're pulling that out, I'll mention... This is radio right here. I recently... Oh, I dropped my screen. (laughs) Uh, We're... uh, Boy, you know, we're great on the fly. It's true. I recently, Keith, uh, pulled out my senior yearbook and was reading through mine. What's interesting is two of of the clicks I shout out in that, I don't even remember who they are i literally oh don't remember the people and then the biggest mistake i made because if you recall you write these actually your junior year for some reason right or yeah well because it takes forever to print these things back then i shout out an ex-girlfriend oh nice which is no it's a rookie mistake so now all these years <laughs> later like my first girlfriend who i mean we had a decent break the breakup wasn't bad but regardless I don't. Why now? Every time I whack, I go back in high school. I gotta, I gotta remember that I wrote down my girlfriend's name in that. That's not a great call. Nah, come on. It's all, it's all interesting pieces of juvenilia. It's all right, juvenilia. I don't know that I've ever heard that before. I, I, I got that from something, and I saw it. I have no idea where I got it from. All right, here's what I wrote. I Keith Varney leave J S M W N V J R C C L T L M E. I know who some of those people are. Music theory. Period five. Uh huh. A H. That was Andrew Hollenbeek. Thanks for all. Tommy. When we did Tommy. N V rides 
No idea. Chorus journals, right? I wrote a lot of stuff in chorus. KS stairs. Oh, that was my ex. K KS was my high school girlfriend. Uh, we both <laughs> did. I did the same thing. R rookie mistake. PBMP question mark. Tom Waugh was the band teacher. Thanks to all I left out, including ECKRGS, etc. Wow, that was definitely worth digging up. <laughs> so if you want to let us know what you said that was stupid in your high school senior picture, uh, you can write that at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram or Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast. And check out our blog at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. Keith, also, I wanted to let you know, since you mentioned that a better podcast dot dot dot, I actually yes. did my homework and came up with the bumper. Did you? We, oh, my God. We then came with To the Mountains and I didn't bring it with me. <laughs> well, of course. It's at my home computer, which means that next week you will get to hear the premiere of our newest bumper, A Better Podcast. And <laughs> uh, the irony of that is so delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. It's really sweet. I also mentioned, and I'll jinx it once again, that we've been rife with audio problems the past couple weeks. But I go into, the, I go into the middle of the dark, dark, dark. North Woods. Yep. Everything fired right up. It's working real nice thus far. Uh, dude, we were fine until you jinxed us last week, and now you just jinxed us again. Is that a double jinx? That uh, No. No, that just means you jinxed us two weeks in a row. Uh, Get ready, folks. It's all going to go to hell now. Anyway, uh, Keith, tell me about the practice, the burden of proof. Yes, this uh, was aired on January 19th, 98, a Monday night. And that brings us to everybody's favorite segment, What Was Going On? This Day in the Basement. What was going on? January 19th, 1998. Well, it was another Monday night, which means my brother and I were down the basement, literally, watching Monday Night Raw. We're still in the attitude era of the WWE. And this was a big one, Keith. Okay. I have to flash you back. My dad was, uh, he worked a lot. So we didn't get to like do a lot of things you generally do with dad, you know, throw the football, oil up your baseball glove, things like that. Right. But what, what did your father do? He was a salesman. He owned a, a construction company. <laughs> that sounds so mobby. Um, <laughs> I mean, you have alluded multiple times <laughs> that there was a lot of mobby things happening. But he, he owned a company called Garden State Brickface and Stucco. So it was like a stucco company. And he, would, he was the owner and he, would also, he was also the lead salesman. So he was always around traveling and selling and stuff like that. Uh, but what he loved was to watch boxing. And uh, we were in the heyday of Mike Tyson at the time when I was a kid. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so I remember getting together. We would love to get together and watch the pay-per-views and and order pizza and hang out so a lot of my good memories with my dad revolve around mike tyson which is ridiculous now is this pre or post earbite well both right this oh. particular point of time would have been would have been post because he was no longer boxing in oh, okay All i don't right. i don't believe so because he was busy appearing on monday night raw actually he might have just gotten out of prison if i'm not mistaken i can't i, I could be wrong but this is where two worlds collide. My brother and I loved wrestling. Right. My dad and I loved boxing. And for the first time, Mike Tyson was making an appearance to face off against who was the hottest ticket at the time, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, no kidding. They were trying Did to they... sell to us that Stone Cold Steve Austin believed he could kick Mike Tyson's ass. Which, 
I think we're all pretty clear would never happen. But they staged this cre- incredible melee, which we'll quickly watch a piece of. Oh, hit me. I always got a little bit of sign language, so here's to you. He flips him off. Oh, and then Tyson Whoa. goes crazy. <laughs> oh, they're, they're wrestling, and they're, oh, they just they just fall into the ground and start wrestling. That sounds about right. Yeah, those commentators, I just love how much they sell it. They really kind of go for it. I mean, that was Jim, Jim Ross, a Hall of Fame announcer, just losing his shit over that. So anyway, that's... No, I mean, it, it's part of the art form. It's part of the art form, and the fact that you called it an art form has vindicated so many years of ridicule that I've faced. Oh, well, I mean, it, it's the, it, it is absolutely ridiculous. But once you get really, it, you get into the details of it and the, the sort of storytelling mixed with, with like athleticism, mixed with improv, mixed with character building. I mean, it's absurd, but there absolutely is a whole art yeah, form to it's, it. I would say it's in the universe of carnival barking and the circus kind of together. But yeah, no, no, no. It, yeah, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. Anyway, Keith, so that's what me and my brother were doing. We were geeking out in the basement, 428 Abrams Mill Road, over there in uh, King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, which I just gave you right. the address of my home. Uh, so, Tom Brady, don't do anything to it. <laughs> but, Keith, down in your cold, naked basement, what was happening there? Well, you know, I was actually in your neck of the woods that, that time. I think, believe that, that weekend or thereabouts, I was in Philadelphia. Okay. Continuing my college audition tour is my first time in philly not my last uh but i was auditioning for the curtis school of music the curtis okay uh which was had the distinction of two things one it was the only one i didn't get into oh <laughs> and two if i had college would have been free really because curtis is entirely free uh, if you go there and they even like supply you with a piano to work this out the other thing the problem was it's so tiny that they only accepted four voice majors that year mm. uh, but what I remember most is probably the most pretentious environment I was in during my my audition cycle of there was a great deal of pretension in the classical conservatory world but what happened there was they had two rounds of auditions. They had the they had the first round where basically we got treated like a non-equity cattle call. Okay. Like they couldn't possibly even deign to make eye contact. But when I got the call back, oh my God, the world opened up. They brought me tea. They got me a private room to warm up in. And it was like, whoa, that is an entirely different environment. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a... Uh, <sighs> It was. I definitely would have gone because you know free is free, mm-hmm. but I did not get a great vibe in terms of like this would be a fun place to hang out. Yeah, I mean n- to be fair, not like I ever hung out where I ended up going because I was too shy and had no friends. But uh, but at, <laughs> at least I had options that I was turning down uh, in Rochester. Ah, oh, good old Rochester. Good old Rochester. All right, so that's what was going on there. Now, let me give you some more exciting information about January 19th, 98. The top song continued to be an ad for Spectrum Mobile. <laughs> Interesting. It's so f- it, yeah, it's really weird how that was, uh, that was such a popular tune back then. 
But it will bring me up that back then, Keith, where if were I to go watch a concert or a Philadelphia Flyers game, I would have gone yeah. to the Spectrum. That's true. I actually know the folks who own that. Huh. Uh, truly Madly. Still still rocking. Yes, Truly Madly Deeply still rocking. Savage Garden is still savaging the charts. Oh, yes. Oh, with this very annoying... Uh, I was going to try to find a cover because speaking of college, uh, one of my best buddies was in an acapella group in college and uh, did a recording of this song, but I could not find it for a cover. Anyway. Me and the rest of our listening audience, thank you. <laughs> no, actually, it's pretty good. I'm sure it was. Anyway. So on January 19th, the uh, headline of the Burlington Free Press continues the saga of the ice storm as they were scrutinizing the power lines, mm. trying to figure out why everyone in the entire planet lost power for weeks in January in Vermont. People were not fans of that. But meanwhile, if they had power, they were going to see Titanic for the fourth week in a row, pulling in another $25 million. Uh, I might have been one of them at about that time. Yep. I definitely... Uh, you saw it in the theaters. I did, and I cried. It was one of the first times I remember crying, ugly cry, in the theater. Oh, really? Yeah. Let me see. What was my... I think... Uh, what's that one with the dinosaurs, the animated, like, Land of the Lost, where they all die at the uh, end? Land of the Lost, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that one got me. Land Before Time. But, uh, land Before Time. Oh, land Before Time. Right, right. Land of the Lost is the other thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I didn't... I don't think I... I, I had like a dark period where I had no feelings, but was <laughs> was I with you uh, seeing King Kong, the uh, Peter Jackson one? No, we saw the movie we saw together. Where I had to leave the theater. We were on tour. Was uh, Big Fish? Hmm. I don't think I went with that crowd. Oh, I had to leave the theater because it was about your dad dying, and I it was a little close to home, and I had to I remember having right. to leaving the theater. Oh, Jesus. No, I swear we saw King Kong together. We, we sat in the front row? Yeah, that was me. That was you, see? Yeah, because <laughs> no one else in the world will sit in the front row with me. I, I know, and I was like, this was a terrible mistake. Meanwhile, I'm like sobbing. <laughs> yeah. Was, where were we? So we look at that. It. I remembered a thing of our friendship, and you didn't. Ha, you always give me shit for that. Most of my memories with you are just sitting, eating Chinese food, playing NHL hockey. That's true. That's true. Well, those, that's and, watch, and watching TV on our bootleg uh, hot projector. The projector you stole from <laughs> your high school, you <laughs> jerk. It's a little more nuanced than that, but ostensibly that's true. <laughs> All right. So I think it might finally be time to get to the damn episode. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. So the burden of proof was written by David E. Kelly all by himself this time. It was directed by Daniel Attias, who directed uh, lots of TV kind of stuff. He directed Party of Five, Buffy, Alias, Six Feet Under, The Wire, Big Love. He, w he got two Emmy nominations for directing Entourage and okay. Homeland. So he did a lot of like uh, cable TV prestige kind of stuff. And I think we're going to see some of the flourishes. So I think it's about time to find. Oh, wait, wait. Mm hmm. Wait. We have one more thing to do. Do you have your guitar? I don't, but uh, you know what? Let's do this a different way. Keep, give me a beat. No. What does Mike think is gonna happen? I get, 
I gave you like a really loose hip hop vibe there, didn't I? Yeah, uh, that was really loose, really loose. Well, keep the yeah. No, I I don't beatbox in public. That's or or at all because I'm me. This one I think I pretty much can nail um, because the picture of the episode, the thumbnail for IMDb is uh, one of our cancer cluster patients on the stand, mm-hmm. uh, and so. I'm interested because it seems like David E. Kelly is the only writer on this, and I think we're going to get a good swing into it. We're going to take a big bite out of the cancer cluster case, Jimmy's first big litigation case. Uh, I think that that's what we're going to center around this episode. Now, what will happen? I don't know specifically, but I know that Jimmy's going to uh, probably face some pretty serious challenges because the past couple episodes have reiterated the fact that uh, we're portraying him as a complete and utter moron when it comes to the law. We have just kicked him while he was up, kicked him while he was down, kicked him just for fun. Poor, poor Jimmy. Now, before you start it, because uh, you skipped the uh, the previously on, mm-hmm. one thing that I noticed in the uh, previously on is it's very clear that they brightened the old footage uh. Uh, from episodes before they brightened everything, and so you can see it's super grainy. Because they didn't, because the camera didn't pick up that much information. When you brighten it, it's got to just sort of extrapolate, and so it looked pretty grainy. But the note went through even retroactively now. Now that everybody's excited, we are going to waste your time by playing a quick ad. Oh yay! Also known as time for Mike to save the episode. <laughs> we to attack our strategy, which they think is going to be all emotion and sympathy. It ain't going to be. Jimmy's with the cancer cluster going to be crowd. above that. I and the whole our case basically is all emotion since we're weak on liability. Well, our case is credibility. I don't see Eleanor. I see Lindsay. When I get up at the end and say those power lines gave I see you Rebecca. all cancer, the jury has to believe me. Are there any other witnesses besides us? get it. You know their names Are we now. calling our doctors? Some. Most of the medical conditions have already been stipulated to. It'll all come down to causation. And for that, we have this Helms guy, the alcoholic. It makes me look fat. That was your stomach making you look fat. It's a good test. Oh, you got Jimmy! But not like Rich. Coming from Jimmy, though, it's a little less impactful. Oh, it's a truth bomb, man. I I hear that one all the time in my own head. I know you are. This is redemption time. Is he still drinking? At night. In the day, he's good. He'll be okay. If he comes through, I figure that describes every actor that's ever existed. Yeah, right. Expert, pretty much. I subpoenaed one other guy, but Jimmy, if they do offer anything bigger, this isn't about getting a big public apology. This is about money. I know. I thought we established last episode it was not about money. Don't worry. (laughs) Well, we're getting nothing unless Helms holds up. Wasn't that the whole close last week? How many experts do they have? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, but you know, Bobby's got his own motives. Mm They've listed 11. Porking murderers. call eight or nine. <laughs> Big hitters. And getting people killed. Yeah. You all set? I've waited my whole life for this case. What about lesbian mom case? That was a pretty good one too, Jim. No, totally. Plus the dog bite case. Mm-hmm. Charm and snakes. Someday we should do a super cut of us talking over the uh, over the theme song. 
because it's like a it's like a weird dead spot because there's nothing really to talk about because you've we've already seen it like a hundred times, but we always let it play. Yeah. Why is also in the theme song? Why is there a um cell phone that rings? You know what I mean? I don't know. Why is there lasers? Well said. Got some boxes. Getting off the elevator. Entering the courtroom. Sitting down. Lots of drama. Yeah, well, I love it. It's like we're we're putting down. We're basically establishing the case setup, which feels very cinematic. I like building the tension there. Got a bunch of feet going by. Feels like a Tarantino film. I'm excited for his new one, man. More feet. Yeah, see, like, I... Squeaky shoes. Oh, is this Cancer Kid? This... Raise your right hand, please. <laughs> Could be. you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Please be seated. Mike, could you tell the jury your full name and where you live? Michael Lewis... Kid is Devin Robinson, and we are witnessing his entire acting career right in this very moment. Truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. I do. Please be seated. But he has a really good job. Mike. And a great sweater. Could you tell the jury your full name and where you live? Michael Lewis Bill. I live in 192 High Street, Fairfield, Massachusetts. Cosby sweater. Mm-hmm. Do you know why you're in court today, Mike? Yes. Could you tell us why? I have leukemia. Well done, child. I have brain cancer. Ovarian cancer. Uh, we call this the cancer supercut. Terminal. Yeah, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool shot. Lines. It's a tracking Maybe shot with the camera, but they're crossfading, right changing all the actors in front of it. Did a pretty good job. It's directly ripped from the Michael but Jackson the black or white video. Told you it was caused by power lines. Fuck they tell Jackson. me they don't know what causes cancer. I said it again. <laughs> Could be something in the air, something we eat. Did they rule out the power lines as a cause? No, they did not. Why do you think it's the power lines? First, 11 people in one neighborhood get cancer. That tells me something's going on. That power line feels set smack in the middle of our neighborhood. Well, that could be a coincidence. Perhaps. But then I read this study done in Sweden. It must be an objection. The testimony goes only to that he read the study. He's not testifying as to the accuracy of its finding. The objection is sustained. Your Honor, the question goes as to why this witness believes... I heard the question, counsel. I'm not allowing it. Any study done in Sweden has no relevance here. Why not? Because it's Swedish? I don't... It doesn't make any sense. Why would only American research count? I guess because you need a lot of tools in order to, like, piece together the study, and mm -hmm, they only give mm -hmm. you that one little Allen wrench in the box, and just those pictures of, like... It's just... It just it's not worth it. It's and it's gonna fall figures. apart in, like, a year... Yeah, yeah the quality is really low. Yeah, no, but it's really convenient. And it That's looks true. good for a while. Yeah, totally. It was cheap as hell. Totally. That was an extended Ikea riff. <laughs> what, if anything else, caused you to suspect the power lines as a cause for this cancer cluster? 
There was a 1990 report done by the Environmental Protection Agency. No, 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 objection. Sustained. Mr. Beale, you were mentioning no any outside studies. EPA is American. Sometimes witnesses and lawyers reference studies they have no intention of actually introducing as evidence. Studies which look good from afar, but may prove oh, to be unreliable. They're not going to introduce it, then. I won't accuse counsel of doing so here. It's weird to you, you can't refer to it. The fact that a study is said to exist somewhere should in no but way You can't cross-examine evidence you don't introduce. We should also mention here, again, that uh, the judge and Jimmy have a... Uh, antagonistic Antigon, Antigone <laughs> they read Antigone together in high school uh -huh. no? antagonistic relationship uh, because Jimmy sort of sassed him last episode at the elevator and the judge I don't think took too kindly to that accidentally to be fair yeah he's gonna screw you at every turn you know this yeah but is Jimmy okay Jimmy was fine but Eleanor I don't know you were there how could they turn down a million dollars don't get me started I think the one with the brain tumor is calling the shots Oh, Eleanor. I know. Why is Eleanor being so mean? Bobby, like the last take over? four or five just episodes. Just ask me to watch Doggo. And be ready. She's been Lindsay. nasty to Jimmy's everybody. Fine. You know, Keith, I keep I keep going on these diatribes, but I sort of to get meta for a second. Okay. It's interesting. What you and I are doing here is basically binge watching a show in this age of binge watching that was not designed to be binged. So it's well, interesting that the first like 10 minutes of every episode, they have to have a couple of scenes that pretty much recap main beats from the previous episode or the previous plot point. Right. Where it's like shows nowadays, like, uh, you know, uh, just to name a few, Handmaid's Tale and Big Little Lies, which I'm kind of watching currently. Um, these binge shows on Netflix or whatnot don't have that burden anymore because they're being released all together, almost being yep. watched as a singular piece instead of as segments. No, totally. Although, ironically, we're not binging it. True. We are actually doing it exactly as intended. We we watch one episode a week, so it's like it, it it's it's backwards. We're actually experiencing it closer to the nineties. Yeah, that's actually really true. Uh, I guess then it's it's still interesting. I guess maybe it's just a type of television, right? That, yeah. Where they have to recap so much in the beginning. Like we we get it. The last scene of last week was them turning the money down. So why do we right. need the first scene of this week to be them discussing that conversation? Yeah, well, I mean, it's almost it's almost the, the distinction between network TV and streaming TV. Because I, if you watch, like, Blue Bloods or whatever, they do the same thing, although the most of network TV isn't serialized anymore because all the serialized stories are told streaming. Yeah, Dick Wolf and the Law & Order sort of realized the magic is in sort of being able to also release episodes asynchronously. Right. And really hone in on the free, the Freak of the Week type of uh, structure. Which, to be fair, the practice also <laughs> released them asynchronously, although it didn't work <laughs> out for them. A little less strategically. <laughs> Eleanor gives uh, Lindsay a Anything pat. potentially toxic in the well water? Not to my knowledge. Does your town ever use pesticides in your area? From time to time, yes. I like a lot of the tracking shots season, in the courtroom. Sure. We get to see some, some farming done the stenographer or the guy right? keeping yes. time or just different people doing different jobs. Sort. Yeah. They likely do, yes. Did anybody ever check out the been well directed so far. I don't know. Was anybody Kelly directing this one? No. Pesticides? No, he just wrote it. I don't it. think so. Mm. You basically all shop at the same grocery market, don't you? 
Pretty much, yes. Well, then that market might be called a common denominator. I think it's called Belsons. <laughs> oh, snap. Man. Did the doctor tell you that carcinogens can be found in the things we eat? Yes. Mrs. Banner, is it completely impossible that something you all ate Don't piss off Mrs. Banner. You wouldn't sick? like her when she's angry. I suppose angry. not. Anybody do any, there any chance you eat cigarettes? on the food at this market? Not to my knowledge. Hmm. There seem to be a lot of possibilities that nobody ever bothered to rule out. Thank you very much. That's all. Also, have you heard my new album? It's Mrs. very Banner, long. Who very experimental. Basically, Lots the government. Drums. And who Unnecessary led you to layers of power lines instead of well water or pesticides or grocery market food? The government. They did. If they suspected pesticides or well water or food, I assume they would have checked it out because I'm sure they care. But they didn't test those things. When we started getting cancer, all of those scientists came running to the power lines. And what answers did they give you? They haven't given us any answers, Mr. Berluti. Mr. Belletti. I like the way he goes, hmm. You're like, yeah. How many times did he do that? Now we're having yeah. a jovial mm. post-court day he goes, hmm, meal with he beers. Good, so let's do it too often. <laughs> Here's a toast to us. Win or lose, we end up right back here having dinner together. Here, here. Well, it's easy for you. It's not your house. <laughs> oh, I thought he was going to make an I'll be dead well, reference, which I was going to say, that is some dark comedy right there. All right. Here's the thing. Our the case is terrible. Case, this could go on for weeks. I don't know how many experts they're going to trot out. But it's important that you be there every day. All this boring science stuff, we got to keep cancer in the room. Is the alcoholic ready? Oof. His name is Joel, and he's going to be great. I still say you should let me get on that stand and wig out. <laughs> I love how that guy did the big judgy alcoholic thing while drinking beer literally in his hand. If ever you think you made a mistake, just say so. Keep correct. For this week, can we give uh, that one victim up, wearing that lady's wig now. something else? Well, yeah, we'll see. Everything they ask you on cross. <laughs> yes. Every single thing. They, they already know the answer. answer. Oh boy. You can expect them to go hard at you on that too. Jimmy, you know I might need a little something during lunch. It isn't gonna be anything that's on my breath. I'll be fine. But otherwise, four o'clock I get the shakes. Maybe before. If you come off even the slightest bit. I know. Do you know? Our whole case, it either stops with you or keeps going. How many times are you gonna say it? I'll say it till it sinks in. What is this? The the the, the first case of your life? Well, let's think of it at the first trial of your life, and I'm not going you know, down. Thus far, the interactions we've had with this guy, there is absolutely no way, under no circumstances, would I ever think he was worth being a witness. Yeah, well, they're certainly setting our skepticism up. Just because you take I collapse on that stand is you can restore your reputation. You have had me in this office. Do you want to be a class for the rest of your life? Is that what you want to do? Drunk, drunk, fat, bald, bald. Guy has a full head of hair. I admit it. That made me laugh the first time I saw it. That was pretty good. Jimmy. Yeah. We talk about it all the time, but... 
Joel. Michael Baldini, is that his name, the actor? (laughs) Don't you worry about me. (laughs) He is the great Baldini. Come see him escape his shirt. Yeah, great. What is it? (laughs) Bataluccio. Baldini. Oh, from uh, the close magic stylings of Baldini. Oh um, my god. <laughs> I, I know that we hop on this quite a bit. Is the key hidden in his hair? No, he doesn't have any. <laughs> the um <laughs> Holy crap. I can't believe I just said that. Um You know, th- they set him up with the most incon- tonally inconsistent scenes and yeah. he without fail, with a plum, nails it always. Yeah, no, he he really lets the writers get away with some stuff that a lesser actor would they wouldn't be able to get away with it just the huge swings in like character in- inconsistency and and tonal inconsistency and he just always finds a kind of middle yeah, ground always re- lands it he's really yeah. great you can't testify from in there you think i know his name that's helpful just you think you can get it over with i don't know how i'd make it without your bedside manner jimmy hey Never this has turned into a buddy cop minutes. movie. Come on, then. <laughs> it really has. Hey, it's like Turner and Hooch. Wash your hands. <sighs> it really is. I was a professor at Boston University for nine years as an epidemiologist specializing in radiation research. Here's Drunko testifying. Did you ever have occasion to study power lines? Yes, I did. Did you have occasion to study the effect of exposure to power lines on the human body? I did. Before we get into the nature of your study, because it'll take some time, could you give us an overall conclusion? I say drunk simply put, late, but I exposure understand. to power lines is a cancer. It is the disease, and not you sure? There's no question, Mr. Baluti. Does it mean living next to power lines you'll get cancer? Probably not. But are you at a greater risk? Definitely. And every epidemiologist knows it. Objection, Your Honor. Sustained. Uh, okay, Doctor. This stuff gets pretty technical. Let's start with what exactly is an electromagnetic field? A power line, electrical wiring, electrical equipment, a cell phone. They all give off what is known as radio frequency radiation. And this is harmful? It can be. What this radiation does is heat body tissue. If you get too much and the body can't dissipate it, it can cause injury. Sometimes cancer. Now, to say something causes cancer, that's Really not fair. What I should say is, statistically, you become at higher risk for cancer. Why or how, we haven't figured out. And yet, if you haven't figured it out, you seem pretty certain. Four times as many people living near power lines get cancer, Mr. Berluti. Just because we haven't figured out why doesn't mean we haven't got a problem. They're both on it. Jimmy's yeah. on it. Guy did a good job on the stand. Well, he's been strong, but looks like he could use a drink. Seven hours now. Jury's awake? Oh, yeah. Oh, let me say this. Without having heard what the other side has to say, I am not living their power line. There's some great ADR happening here. You, like, there's traffic in your left can. Did I report it? Some good stuff. Yeah. That's why I'm well, in Well, sound design, not ADR. Because oh, I reported thank you. It. Who'd you tell? I first reported it to Boston Power, <laughs> then the Environmental Protection Agency. Did the agency respond? Yes. They found my data to be inconclusive. They also let me know should I compile any more data. I should... Okay, he said it twice now, so I have to I have to bring it up now, Keith. Complete yeah. non sequitur. Are you ready? Hit me. He said data twice. 
have you seen the Picard trailer? Oh, I have. I have indeed. I want to be really psyched about it, but I'm waiting until a, a true fan, a, a Keith Varney of the universe, tells me that I can get pumped. Well, I need to dissect it a little bit more. Um, but I mean, I'm as I have been this whole time. I am cautiously excited. Um, I because it's what's going to sell it for me. It's tone mm-hmm. more than anything else. It is so beyond exciting to see Patrick Stewart as Picard again. Um, it was great to see Je- Jerry Ryan. It was great to see even just the time, you know, even a disassembled data was, it was a really exciting thing to see. Um, but I, th- what I worry about is tonally where discovery lost me is it didn't feel like Star Trek because it was too frantic and dark and violent and not really about, um, mm. Not yeah, it's not character based, but it's also not like concept based. It was very sort of actiony. It was like Star Wars meets Breaking Bad. It's not really Star Trek. So I'm hoping that the Picard series is able to keep the higher stakes that we're used to today, but also tonally grounding it um, in the same world that Next Gen took place. So and you you just can't tell that from a trailer. Yeah. Did they give but a release date? I'm certainly date? exciting. Did they mention a release date? Uh, I'm sure they did, but I didn't pay attention. Well, the best news of all is I don't subscribe to CBS All Access, so Enterprise is a lost cause to me, but I do subscribe to Amazon, so I'm psyched about that. I don't know what that means. Keep it to myself. Picard is Objection, Amazon hearsay. Is it? Yeah. Who no. Yeah. His name was Oliver Rock. Hmm. He was a director of the agency's division here you can google that to confirm did he say anything else objection a better podcast goes only to his response to the witnesses report i'll allow it what else did he say good job jimmy he said there are power lines all across the country we don't need to start a national panic no the prosecutor's pissed that west guy not prosecutor he laid a big soft baby ruth when i said we don't want to make a panic i don't think he'll be coming at you with candy bars tomorrow Let's go through it again and go even harder. You were fired for being a drunk, weren't you, Dr. Helms? Yes or no? No. My battle with alcoholism began after I was discharged. My termination had to do with my unwillingness to... Don't let him go on like that. Wes would be cutting him off. Sorry. Jimmy, I talked to you for a sec. Everyone's got zoot suit ties on. Did I miss this in the 90s? Grill him. Well, I mean, we were in high school. We only wore ties for chorus concerts and graduation. There's going well. Tomorrow's the big one. If Joel can survive Cross. I've gone over their witness list. They have some top researchers, too, from California who've just done a study. I had Rebecca run some numbers. You put in roughly 400 hours on this case. That's that's conservative. I I bill you at 125 an hour so we can figure 50,000. Lindsay and Eleanor between them takes it over 100,000, and you're up to 63,000 in costs. If this trial goes to distance, we could be in for 250. If we could absorb that, that would be one thing. But Jimmy, this case is it's, it's running us into the red again. Business has been good here. Criminal business, nothing high rent. The big tickets are the drug dealers. Our biggest was shot dead. And since Lindsay's out of it, nothing new is coming through the door. Well, quick reminder, if your girlfriend and offer, Jimmy, you set that up. List, any chance you have, yeah. it depends on your ability to cross. No, but I, I like this scene, down, but 
you know, continuing to heighten the stakes for the case in a way that feels realistic and specific. What do you think I've been doing for the past month, staying up till three or four in the morning? I'm ready for these guys. I understand that, but... I was just thinking maybe if Lindsay it, I, handled I think what we're saying is focus. When these episodes, when the writing That's focuses... No, she says you're doing great. It gives you it don't more of an ability to, to like kind this, of... Bobby. I got it. Get specific. This is a reflection of you, Jimmy. And have these kinds of scenes. If we were trying well, to juggle episode, three, three, three different cases, it, we don't have as right. much opportunity to do so. Your case isn't good. Yeah, this whole story, You've this whole episode is just the A story. So it really has a drive and focus to it. You're right. He could be right. We may be at our strongest now. And I like the parallel that they've set Jimmy up to be the underdog. We've got to make a decision. Right. They've set this case up to be an underdog, and Get all of these people Jimmy. who are clearly victims as underdogs. Then we'll see. Yeah. Morning. Morning. Says Parcells may be coming back. I'd sooner welcome back Don Cherry. Oh, wow. Okay, hold two. on. Pause. You can get out for two. That was some. There were some really good sports, local Boston sports references there. First of all, Parcells are talking about Bill Parcells, who coached the Giants to, to two Super Bowls, and then was the Patriots coach uh, after that. And he also referenced Don Cherry, who is, if you're a Canadian, you know exactly who I'm talking about as a legendary commentator for CBC and Hockey Night in Canada. But previous to that, he was the Boston Bruins head coach. So love the specificity in the writing there. Very, like, sort of deep cut Boston sports. Good good work. Dave, the, David, he, that was a good good little beat there. The exact sort of bullshit small talk you'd have before entering into uh, a combative conversation. Yeah, no, but, it, like, but it's funny. Like, a little couplet like that can add a lot to a scene in terms of realism, in terms of grounding you in a world. Mm-hmm. Good job, David. I'm afraid that would not be an acceptable number from our side. What is? Nothing. Is nothing good for you? Oh, come on, last week it was a million. Things are going better for us than you expected. Two gets you off cheap. You really don't get it, do you? The money we offered last week was a premium for silence. To preempt your people going to court, getting their stories printed in the newspaper, we're beyond that now. The only interest we have now is in winning, and frankly, I'm not impressed with your presentation so far. So oh. I think you should recommend nothing to your clients, because when I get finished with Mr. Helms today, not only will your case be over, I'll be moving for costs, and I very well might get them. That could cost you a half a million dollars. Now, did that thought ever tiptoe across your mind, or has it all been sugar plums? People like you think people like me can't beat them. You're wrong. I don't doubt people like you can win, Mr. Berluti. Only it won't be this case. Again, every scene heightening the stakes. Love it. No, Mr. Helms. Oh, excuse me. Dr. Helms. Are you still a doctor? Yes. You work as a doctor? No, as I said yesterday, I'm in telemarketing now. And you're no longer hireable as an epidemiologist, are you, doctor? <laughs> no. In fact, as a result of your claims that power lines cause cancer, you lost respect within the medical community. I became a political liability. And no other university, academic, or medical institution would hire you. It would seem so. 
So now you spend your days making cold calls, trying to convince people that maybe they should change their long-distance telephone company. Objection. Overruled. Are you an alcoholic, doctor? Objection. Overruled. Are you an alcoholic, doctor? Yes. Recovered? No. You still drink? Yes. Did you drink last night? Yes. Were you drunk? Objection. Sustained. Well, tell me, doctor, are there any other scientists, to your knowledge, who would be willing to come forward and affirm your theories concerning power lines and cancer? They won't come forward because the government will go after them. Like they went after you. Yes, Mr. West. The government and the Scientific Advisory Council considered that it was more expedient Pete, to discredit what is me as you've than to admit what is his, that power uh, lines name? are a cancer. No, I take... I, I just must say first I'm off, I disavow Drunko. I telemarketing. I mean, all those phone well, you, lines. Now you disavow it? Ten minutes later? Talking to them, sharing no, I disavowed it. I totally disavowed it. No, no, no. That, that was flippant and wrong, and I disavowed Drunko. Well, I just re-brought Drunko back up, so I'll own it. <laughs> well, that's to be fair. I, you know, I always pin you to the wall. That only <laughs> seems fair. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, yes, so our our friend, the doctor who has a, who is struggling with an alcohol problem, is Graham Beckel or Beckel. I'm not sure which one. I wanted to just take the opportunity, although I'm sure we will revisit this later. He's really kind of nailing it. Yeah, he's doing a good job. Much like Jimmy, I feel like he's been written a little bit inconsistently up to now, but he the distinction between his Drunko persona and his Doctor persona uh, have been very distinct and very nuanced. Yeah, no, totally. And he's, I mean, it is tough to play different levels of inebriation in two lines and to have us be able to clock what's going on without taking it to the point of absurdity. Yeah. Objection. Sustained. Doctor. Have you ever been hospitalized in a mental institution? Objection, Your Honor. Uh-oh. Hey, there's I smell. told you, how the hell could it not happen? The guy's a drunk who did time in a mental ward. Lower your voice. This is stupid. Tilting a windmill here. Oh, and you've never done that? Does, does Helms have any credibility left? Well, Bobby, like why are you surprised? Let's you knew all of these things were going to come up. Anything. He's like, he's panicking now? You knew what he was going to say. You could have anticipated that cross. Well, I could have done that cross. What? Well, they even put a scene in where he was like, you're not anything, pr- effectively Bobby. testing even him for the cross. Was crossed, right. The defense, they're, they're offering zero. It was zero. not such a brilliant cross. Nothing? Since it's gone to trial, they're determined to go to verdict, and that was before they chewed up our expert witness. Their only offer is, we give them an agreement for judgment right now, they'll drop any claim they have for abusive process. Hey. Jimmy. And he had more support for lesbian mom case. Maybe Lindsay should take their experts. I don't think that's a good idea. He did. The best part of our case right now is his relationship with the jury. I think they still like him. He's dating them. Now Bobby's like, now that I can get behind. Okay. Don't <laughs> go toe to toe on science. All you do is preserve some doubt. Keep doubt alive. Can you do that? Yeah. Sounds like Are a current administration. Of- I can do it. Seriously. You've studied Except, the effects you know, of power lines? 
for 11 years. And what conclusions did you draw with respect to cancer and exposure to power lines and electromagnetic fields? There is no link. None? None. Are you sure that power lines cannot cause cancer? Or are you sure that you haven't found the link as to how they could? The latter. Yes, inconclusive data. We can make no correlation between exposure and cancer. Oh, what a cool little Rocky montage we got here. Advisory right? Four people were paid consultants also a piano in the, the utility commission. Right? That's correct. The Air Force was aware of course they would of show Jimmy doing sit-ups or something. We found no biological effects. <laughs> Didn't the Air Force make efforts to suppress the health effects of electromagnetic radiation? Oh, it's him behind the law books. That counts. Thinking, he's thinking. How long have you been at Yale, Dr. Munson? Uh, Good. I love the little montage thing. Great and montage, not overdone. Yep. And also director of the Public Health Center. And you were present in the courtroom for the testimony of Joel Helms. I was. Do you have any response to that testimony? There's absolutely no scientific or medical evidence to support the allegations made by the plaintiffs. And I, as a doctor and a scientist, Specialist? Oh man, it wasn't good. <laughs> uh, that is Richard Rote, who you would know from Twenty Four, from Sybil. He was on Lois and Clark, The Nanny, Golden Girls, and Hill Street Blues. That's it. That's Outrageous. all. Outrageous. Are you familiar with the study done in Sweden? Objection. This man has testified that he has knowledge of all the studies. He has testified that Dr. Helms' conclusions offend science and medicine. I am entitled to impeach the testimony of this witness. I'll allow it. Dr. Munson, you are aware of two recent Somebody is Swedish coughing studies up a that storm concluded, back there in the scientifically jury. concluded that children living near power lines have four times the risk of developing leukemia. Yes, but... Thank you. You've answered my question. Now, doctor, are you aware of a 1990 Federal Environmental Protection Agency report? That report was attacked and ultimately revised. Are you aware of that report? Yes or no? Yes. And that report linked exposure to power lines with leukemia and nervous system cancer. Objection. He's putting in studies. No, I am putting in his awareness of these studies while he tells this jury Dr. Helms is outrageous. I'll overrule the objection, but I'm cutting you off, counsel. You made your point. Good job, Jimmy. So let me get this straight, doctor. You are aware of many studies that do support the allegations connecting power lines with cancer. You're aware of the studies and reports that support the allegations. Allegations. Not conclusions. So, when you said under oath, there is no scientific or medical evidence to support the allegations made by the plaintiffs, would that be a lie or a mistake? Yes. It was a poor choice of words. Poor choice amounting to a lie or a mistake. Jimmy! Mistake. He survived it. Nine experts, 16 days, were still alive. Are you suggesting we could win? I didn't say that. I mean, none of those experts proved power lines couldn't cause cancer, but we didn't prove that they can either. But Bobby, just that we're going into closing with even a chance. He's in the conference room? Don't. He's practicing his summation. He got mad when I walked in, so. Oh. I wish you could have seen it. I'm going tomorrow. Oh, that's all it took for Bobby to be impressed was Lindsay's go ahead? Uh-huh. Are they going to make out? I don't know. Lindsay's looking for Jimmy in the, Jimmy? the darkened room. What if right now we found Jimmy had hung himself? 
Oh my god, that's Because it definitely looks like that that kind Jimmy. of a scene. You okay? He's hey. sitting on the floor. He's had an evening. What are you doing? She took her hair what? down. The closing. I, I might be too close to see straight. You're doing it. Jimmy, you're right where you want to be. Going into summations with the jury trusting you. You're here. Keith, 14 minutes to go. I'm a little you nervous. You can do this. Yeah, well, there's certainly... Uh, Bobby asked you to take over, didn't he? Setting us up for it. He we got the whole arc. Now to. we're in Jimmy's crisis of it confidence. Was never necessary. This could be the great Baldini's greatest close. Could be. You know what that means? It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. Here it is, Jimmy. What you got? And for my next trick, the great Baldini proudly presents. <laughs> oh, Helen Gamble makes an appearance. Oh, look at you. You studied all the names, didn't you? Except for the actors' names. <laughs> One thing at a time, man. Mr. Bernudi. Courtroom's packed. The trial part is over, and we're in the same place we started. Eleven people who live near the power lines got cancer. Did I prove it with science? No. Did they disprove it? No. We don't know what causes cancer, really. We only know what puts you in a higher risk of getting it. Living near the power lines puts you at a higher risk. Evidence? Exhibits one through seven have been sitting here every day. You heard Mr. West suggest it could have been well water, could have been pesticides, could have been food or this or that. Did they check on any of these things? Did they do any studies, run some tests on water or dirt? Don't you think if they suspected pesticides and people were dying, they checked that out? They didn't. The only thing they studied was power lines. They hired Joel Helms to study it. He found increased risk of cancer. The government defense to this lawsuit is they can't really prove it. And that is where the real outrage lies, ladies and gentlemen. Our people are getting sick, getting brain tumors, some even dying. Instead of finding out why, instead of saying, let's stop this, they're saying, prove it. And if you can't prove it, we won't help you. A lawsuit, any lawsuit is about allocating burden. Who? is best able to absorb the responsibility. If people living near public utilities start getting clusters of cancer, I say that should put a burden on the government. A burden to find out what's going on. It isn't right for government to just let people get cancer and then fall back on the data is inconclusive. That isn't right. Studies are out there all over, in this country and in Europe, making the argument that people get sick from power lines. And our governmental response is inconclusive. See these people? They're ill. And collectively, they have stories of suffering, chemotherapy, pain. Stories they did not tell you. 
I am privileged to represent them. How do you put a value on their lives? I won't ask you to. But I can put a rough value on the cost of the governmental admission that power lines kill. Billions of dollars. Between tearing down existing lines, compensatory damages, billions of dollars. It's a lot cheaper to let a few people die. Maybe a lot of people. Is that happening here? I don't know. My data is inconclusive. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, it's time to allocate a burden. There it is. Jimmy. Slow clap. Slow clap for Jimmy. Woo! That was moving. Confident, clear. And now the defense. The defense will present theirs. That sounded dirtier uh, than it should have. That was a brilliant argument. Unfortunately for Mr. Berluti, it was for the defense. I'll ask you to go back to that room and accept him at his word. They can't prove it. Now, it may be sound legislative policy to burden the government with rooting out the causes of this cancer, but for a lawsuit, the plaintiff must prove his case by a preponderance of the evidence. They didn't. Not only did they skip over causation, they never even addressed negligence or any theory of blame. The essence of their case, we have cancer, give us money now. My heart goes out to these people, as should yours. But to win a lawsuit, you need proof. And what proof have they offered? The government didn't check out pesticides. Okay. I mean, he's, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Jimmy, we got the clients in the witness room. You should probably say something before we dismiss them. The deliberations could take a long time, so. Okay. It's gonna be a that quick was a deliberation. Fantastic closing. Yeah. We have a chance. West was good. I love how like yes, Lindsay has to like tell him that on, like he doesn't know already. See, the jury makes a decision. Oh, he's gonna, he's gonna make <clears throat> offer a lot of money right now. Two Here million. Got the cell phone. Two million. You have it. Too little too late, Mr. West. My client said they'd consider eight. Nothing less. Whoa! Eight million! Jimmy. Well then, we'll wait for the jury, won't we? Yes, we will. Jimmy! Wow. Get Ooh. out of your mind. Did you He's hear those? Those were big old Barluti balls <laughs> swinging back and forth. <laughs> no, they can go higher. I don't even think the clients would say yes anyway. So, Jimmy, small detail. You have to take it to the clients first. And I think they should grab it. Is it still on the table? Grab it by the Baldinis. He's going to give him the eight. Four. Try to sell six, but if you're worried about a quick verdict, you better go eight, because they're definitely sleeping on six. You do have an obligation to inform your clients of any offer that's My made. My clients you know that, don't you? told me not to even bother them unless it's eight, which they still might say no to. That's a lie. Well, why start now? <laughs> six with a clock. One hour. God damn. Boom, Jimmy! The cluster is excited. We didn't get that far. Look, we agreed after last week we'd go by majority rule. And we're basically 
What are the numbers? Um, minus contingency plus costs around three nine, which comes to uh, three fifty or so per person. Well, shouldn't they be paying more? Yeah. Not enough. I agree. No. 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 Wait, 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 wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. I know your desire to make a statement, but six million dollars is not only a lot of money. It's a huge statement. This is a total victory. But if they're offering six, that must mean their jury consultants are telling them something. That's good. Yeah. I like that. that. That may be true, but you have to realize this is still a horrible case causation-wise. Now, Jimmy has pulled a rabbit here, a $6 million rabbit out of a hat that nobody gets to dig into. You have to take it. It's absolute insanity not to leap at it. Jimmy, what do you think? Oh, God. Just... It's a crapshoot. But I've been spending a lot of time with you people. If you settle, make a deal, Never say you won't you walk people. away happy. You didn't come here looking to get a handshake. You came to get a judgment. Jimmy. Just a second. If it's about money, say yes. And this is a lot of money. But you've been telling me all along this is a fight about something bigger. My vote. Tell them to stick it. Yeah, well, that advice borders on malpractice. You can't ignore the hey. fact. Who are you? He's our lawyer. Are we all agreed? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. The office he, rejected. He just smacked Bobby right in the face. Sure did. And they're gonna lose, aren't they? Bobby! Ever accuse me of malpractice in front of a client again? I'll deck you. I'm tempted to report you to the bar. This isn't about Good them. Good job, Jimmy. Stick up for right. yourself. Hold on. Hold on. Keith? Yeah. I can't stands it and I can't stands no more. You want to talk about malpractice? <laughs> you are sleeping with everyone. Your girlfriend ordered a hit on a person. You directly led to the murder of at least four police officers. And you bribed a cop with information to protect your priest? Not to mention, Jimmy works for you under the auspice of him committing bank fraud in order to get you an expansion for your office. That's so, right! So I can't... I can't anymore. There it is. Off of your head. You can find me anytime. Don't think I won't. Cut it out. Rudy. This is private. Beat it. Fine, but your jury's coming back. Oh, snap. Here we go. More feet. So many loud feet. <laughs> Pretty fast. You've reached the verdict? We have, Your Honor. What say you, Mr. Foreman? They can't beat big tobacco no and the government. At all versus Boston Power and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. We find in favor of the def of the plaintiffs. Oh, the bait and switch! Oh, bait and switch! The amount of two point six million dollars. Oh, but much less the money. Commonwealth of Massachusetts to pay damages in the amount of thirty six million dollars. Oh. Whoa! They just did that slow zoom on Jimmy again. They did, but it, at least it was more appropriate this time. They were auditioning. Everyone's it going settle? nuts. Anyone who doesn't settle will be removed. Quiet, quiet. The whole Your team Honor, is there. The defendants move for a judgment notwithstanding the verdict. The Fairfield power lines may very well have caused these people cancer, but nothing has been admitted into evidence to establish it. The plaintiffs offered no facts to prove causation. I was hoping the jury would see that. Since you didn't do your job, I have to do mine. 
Defendant's motion for JNOV granted. Wow. And a judgment for the defendant. We were adjourned. The judge just overruled the jury. Can you do that? What a fucking gut punch. Seriously. Steam. That's New York. That looks just like, uh... I think it's L.A., but it does look like... That one corner. Wow. First, your instinct to reject the offer obviously turned out to be right. Second, what you did oh, in this case, with, with what you had, what you were up against, it may be the best lawyering I ever heard tale of. And that judge can't take anything away from that, Jimmy. Aren't they still a quarter million dollars in the hole because of the case, though? Sure are. I... I got plans. Well, I didn't want to win anyway. My I'm so used ass. to being a martyr by now. This whole thing would have put me back in therapy. <laughs> We're gonna appeal. It's not over, right? Jimmy. So they did we'll what appeal, they said. Right? They all got back together, yes. even after a loss. We will. The cluster. The case will get more attention this way. It couldn't be better for public awareness. When they read that verdict, I just saw a big boat. <laughs> How can you all be laughing? Cheer up, Jimmy. We got that verdict, and that's what we wanted. Oh, let him be depressed, David. He's the one that has to live with this the longest. <laughs> Dark comedy is rife. Yeah, I get it, though. So Jimmy goes back to the office late. Starts working on the appeal or? Jimmy, hey. How come you're here so late? I'm just uh, catching up on Lindsay. some things. You're crying. Oh no, I am. Uh, maybe a little. They're okay, Lindsay. I just came from them. They're doing pretty good. That's good. What? She's proud of him? I was crying for you, Jimmy. You deserved... I'm okay, too. You know, I spent half my time wondering why I ever became a lawyer. You. But you're so good. The work can be so dirty sometimes. But this trial, you reminded me how noble lawyers can be. I was proud to be at your side. Thank you. Good performance by uh, Kelly Williams there. And this, um, you, know, you should be celebrating tonight.
he finally breaks down. Keith, I got a little choked up. I'm gonna be honest. Me too. Me too. Okay, well that's that's it. I mean, what a what a phenomenal final scene that was. Wow, there were ups, there were downs, there were highs, yeah. there were lows. I I tell you what, that I mean, I I I was excited when I saw this episode. I was excited to talk about it, and I think it's very telling that there were like good chunks there where we had nothing to say. Yeah, and and that is a really good sign <laughs> for an episode. But before we talk about the whole episode, we must <laughs> declare who is. I think that Bobby Donald make, made a case for us. I mean, Jimmy pulled a magical rabbit out of his ass for a case. They had no busy, no, no uh, business biz. Thank you. No business. Even, <laughs> even being in the courtroom, he on instinct alone rejected a $6 million offer in yeah, favor which, of a $36 million judgment. Yeah, no, I mean, clearly it's Jimmy, like Jimmy, Jimmy crushed it in a lot of different ways. Uh, so, uh, congratulations, Jimmy Berluti, or Balducci, or was it Baldini? <laughs> the great Baldini. <laughs> the great Baldini, for your most valuable lawyer. And that gets us to... Already famous because you've been on TV, getting a paycheck. first entry on your IMDb, way to go, and you're the best guest actor. Okay, best guest. Well, Keith, I think for me it's a toss-up. Not a toss-up. I think my two finalists for the category are... You'll have to help me once again. The uh, <laughs> No, no, no. I, I, I want to hear your best guess on who the best guest is. No, because you're going to make me say... Uh, 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 our, our friend who is playing a character struggling with alcoholism. And and what would you imagine that actor's name to be? Larry Redburn. Close, close. Uh, or Graham Beckel or Beckel. Yeah, Graham Beckel. Um, he is nominated, I think, up against the defense attorney. Who, though we make mock him for his seventeen-minute-long uh, drum solos in his uh, musical career, I feel like he really, uh, in playing the antagonistic yet legally correct uh defense attorney right. here he really kind of straddled that line correctly he was a prick when he needed to be he brought counterpoints when necessary and i thought he really did so plus his little scenes with jimmy i think were really well done so mm -hmm. i'm gonna post those two as the nominees and i'm gonna let you take it home and what would you imagine his name would be Beckel? No, Beckel is the, the alcoholic, and the other guy's name was... The other guy's name is Daryl mm -hmm. Stringberg. Uh-huh. Oh, very close. Also also known as Cliff Young. Yes, uh, yeah, but his friends call him Daryl Stringberg. Uh, of course. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm entirely with you on, on the two of them. I thought they both did a good job. Um, and I think I'm going to give it to Cliff Young, um, because he has... 
it's a much less showy part, but he has to carry a lot of weight throughout this entire storyline. And he's had to just carry a lot of water because he has to he has to be a a good villain that we're rooting against. Get us a lot of information and uh, be very watchable that whole time without having an exciting sort of arc. So who's your call? I would agree with you. I would agree. Uh, Daryl Springberg for the win. Congratulations, Daryl, a.k.a. Clifty Young, on your oopsie for Best Guest Actor. And that brings us to... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show I think the great Baldini takes home his second oopsie, and it's rare that we get a, a double lawyer plus actor winner, so I, I think that it's a pretty uh, prestigious win this week. Yeah, well, congratulations, Michael Bataluccio, a.k.a. Baldini. Yeah, I, I think he does really terrific work in this episode. Um, you know, I, I think it felt very grounded, it felt very... He has this remarkable ability to make you root for him. And to be fair, the writing has been kicking him in the face for so many episodes in a row, you almost sort of instinctually. But it's, it's, a, it's a tough track to be both an idiot and competent at the same time. You know, and, but this was a very human episode for him. And I thought he gave a tremendous... He showed tremendous vulnerability. In this episode. Yeah, and I think if you look at... Well, I mean, spoiler alert for the in 30 seconds from now, but if you look at my two top episodes, uh, this is going to be on there. Um, they're both Jimmy-centric, character-focused episodes. Yeah. So that's yeah, not... Yeah, that's, for sure. It's definitely not totally a testament to the writing. I think it's it's definitely probably more swayed towards his ability to do to show elements of vulnerability elements of humor and then elements of you know really uh, the things that he puts his foot down in and the things he cares passionately about we don't always agree with as we've discussed but then being able to play the arc the journey to changing yeah. his opinion on certain on certain of those things i think really uh highlights how talented he is well and it's it's very clear that the writers like writing for this character mm-hmm. so it, it's it's a little bit of a uh, chicken and egg because he's getting all these great stuff to do, which of course makes people want to write great stuff for him. Um, but yeah, it's uh, really good work, and now it's time. It is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. All right, so let's talk about the episode as a whole. Well, you know, at first it, it seemed to be like you could cast it off very easily. I think the pessimist to me says, "Well, clearly they wrote this thinking backwards. Like, how can we?" Well, you have to. Yeah, but sometimes that can feel kind of cheap. Like, how can we both let them win and lose so that all yep. the stakes we've raised aren't wasted and all of the uh, ass-kicking that we've given Jimmy isn't... You know, in a show like this, you have to give him some sort of a vindication towards the end. Right, 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 right. But the finesse with which they actually did that, I felt was really palpable. Not only did it show us... You know, with all of this discussion over the past, God, hours of our lives about you got to do what it takes to win. You Sometimes it's about money. Sometimes it's about 
Right, right. You know, seeing it through, whether it's right or wrong. There was an episode where th- there was this arc where it really came down to Jimmy's compassion for these people and doing what was right for them, turning down money right, not to right. get more for them, but because that big close they did two weeks ago, they she said it's not about the money for us, you know. Well, and he's risking more than their money. He's risking his own money too. Yeah, and nobody is really backing him up. I mean, Lindsay sort of becomes a confidant for him, but even that felt earned, you know? Yeah, yep. You know, just last week, she wasn't she wasn't standing up for him. She came in right. to help his ass out, to bail him out. Yeah, totally. So all of the arcs kind of clicked. I think this is probably, I don't want to speak for what happens in the future, but probably what it feels like when when all of the the ensemble cast and the writing and the direction is firing on all cylinders for this show. This is probably peak practice, is my guess. Yeah, well, I mean, it is definitely firing on all cylinders yeah. in an episode like this. And and I, uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think it's a it's a really terrific episode. I think I love the fact that we've we spent the whole episode on this case. I love the fact that we earned it building this up on a longer arc it didn't feel rushed like some of the other ones um i really appreciated the direction that there was um the, the pacing of it felt very cinematic like if you you could make a a two-hour version of this and it'd be a movie like a real live movie i loved the twist at the end mm-hmm. getting overruled and losing even though you won um which I also thought was the right call. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it wasn't a good case. It's not a winning case. And um, so I, this is an, an interesting situation in which uh, we are the better podcast because I looked it up whether or not uh, power lines do indeed cause cancer looking at contemporary research. Um, but according to cancer.org, um, extremely low frequency radiation does not cause cancer or at the very least continues to show no evidence of this being the case, which seems credible to me since the entire planet lives next to a power line and we do not have clusters like this, uh, which you would expect were it there. So it's actually, I think, a really cool thing to see about quartz too, because, you know, think about the Pandora's box that's opened if they actually win this case. Then litigants can just bring cases against things they think maybe made them sick. And yeah, as long as you can get the compassion of the jury, you can win a lot of those cases. So it's it's a good reminder that there are these checks and balances in our legal system that kind of protect against even those sorts of things. Yeah, and, and this is a, a situation in which the checks and balances worked against our heroes, but it was the right call. Yep. And um, so that was, uh, that was interesting. Another, see, one, I have one bone to pick. Okay, let's pick with it. With this episode. And that is perhaps, uh, hold on. Conspiracy theory. I think I know why Eleanor is so cranky with everybody. Okay, talk because to me. for reasons beyond understanding, she got booted from that case. Right, but she was Jimmy's partner from the very beginning of this case, all the way through, all the way through. And when during this episode, during the verdict, during the triumphant verdict, she's not even sitting at the table. Yeah, that's true. She's sitting with Bobby and Helen and Eugene. So uh, I don't understand why Eleanor fell off of this case. Um, it doesn't seem to match the character. Doesn't like she's she's a badass litigator, 
And I've said this before, and I will say it again. I want more Eleanor in this show. So uh, that that is my... I don't quite understand why she dropped off the face of the planet. But that being said, uh, I think it's a really terrific episode. I've This is what I want from the practice. I want them to build a case like this, you know, three times a season and and let us see this whole big arc that feels like one of the great old uh courtroom dramas from the 70s i also you know i i mentioned it briefly when we were watching but this also was one of the few times that we've i've gotten legitimately emotional we talked about the sure the the death penalty case but also where the twists and turns weren't telegraphed i really the stakes i felt were were natural and i also felt like the the couple of twists and turns we took uh, really had me on edge. So there was some really yeah. great, uh, it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Well, and, and I, I think just in terms of the writing, there were some twists and turns that pulled us out of the obvious and the, you know, the, the sort of cliche version of this story. And uh, I really appreciated uh, David E. Kelly taking the time to just like pull us out of the cliche into mm-hmm. something more interesting than that. So I think we proved uh, once again, Keith, that he's really works well when working alone. Yeah, there it is. Don't we all? Hmm. So, uh, yeah. So I think it's time for you to throw us some tires. 8.5 tires. 8.5 tires. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think I was going to give it a nine, uh, but I, I, it, it lost a quarter point for, the, for Eleanor's thing. And because the final closings... Jimmy's closing wasn't that great compared to some other closings that we've seen, but that's because he had a losing case. Yeah. And so he gave the best closing he could, but it wasn't quite as satisfying as it could have been had he had a better case. So that's not on him. That's just situation there. So I'm going to give it 8.75 tires higher than you. You did. What's the math there? Uh, numbers. Uh, riveting radio, riveting radio, <laughs> riveting radio. Filling, 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 filler, filler, filler. 8.625 spare tires. All right. That's pretty good. I think that definitely puts it in the top three or four. Yeah, for sure. I think it's probably sits at two or three, not one. Yeah, one, well, we had we two would. nines. We had two nines. So I think it's probably comes in at, at number three, but you can check it out on out of practice podcast.blogspot.com where you can see the ranking of all of the episodes that we have done thus far. And we will be updating that as we go with screenshots and links to exciting guest stars that we find every episode. Keith, not only a great episode of The Practice, but if I might say, one of our better episodes, because there weren't too many issues, and uh, it sounded like we had some things to say at some points. Well, well, you know, I'm just glad that my system didn't shit the bed. Anytime that it's not my fault when things go wrong, I feel great. You wait until I make you start hosting the video part of the... (laughs) Good luck with that. It really puts a strain on this 2011 MacBook. I believe it. Meanwhile, if you want to reach us, you can reach us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. Please... For the love of God, leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app so that more than Tom Brady listen to us. 
Speaking of Tom Brady, Tom, thanks for continuing to listen. Thanks for supporting us. Tell a friend or two. I know you've got a few. Oh, clearly. Yeah, uh, please uh, leave us a note in your high school yearbook. I would love to see oops at the end of your high school yearbook. And just like Tom Brady's throws, laser beams. Laser sounds. Oh, no. I blew it. (laughs) Laser sounds. What is Wisdom of One? Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero, Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. (laughs) This podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of one. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20, but a wisdom.